Sharp Iron Society is brought to you by us, because we don't have sponsors. <laughs> but we would like to mention several people that help us along the way, and one of them would be Every Proven CrossFit uh, in Dover, New Hampshire. And I don't have any of the information up right now. Uh, it's the Internet Society. We talk about it a lot in this one, and you can look it up. EVR, PRVN. Dot com check out a badass crossfit gym we just moved to a new location 50 crosby road uh in dover new hampshire and uh it's you literally open up the bay doors and it's just like this giant beautiful field in new hampshire um it's out of a downtown area so come check us out ever proven crossfit i can att- i've been to a few crossfit gyms now in my short crossfit experience and i could say definitely say that it is probably the best crossfit gym i've ever been to and i feel really fortunate to be able to work out there honestly um well equipped the coaching staff is amazing um it's in a great location uh the the vibe is awesome there it's it's just a great place to even go hang out let alone work out and and feel good about yourself. So check it out for sure. Definitely. And uh Port City Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um it's located in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Um uh, 8 Greenleaf Woods Drive. It's located inside the Seaco Sports Club, um, which is right off Route One across the street from the Margaritas. Um it's kinda hard to find, but if you follow the signs and go back a ways down that road past the business complex and everything there's a big seacoast sports club back there and we're located inside there um it's open seven days a week if you go to portcitybjj.com all the information you need to know is up there our class schedule what we're all about everything like that um so check that out uh best way to contact us is at portcitybjj at gmail.com. Um, we'll return some emails. If you call, it just goes to the front desk of Seagull Sports Club because we don't have a phone, obviously. Um, and then give you a, a limited amount of information. But if you email us, we can help you out and do all that nonsense. Um, another thing is hopefully uh, shortly we'll have some Sharp Iron Society merchandise. Um, so if you want to... Uh, buy some shit to support this that would be awesome um also the other thing that um me and t elliott field have started to do it's not quite finished yet but we're doing some uh, strength and conditioning programming for kind of everyday people and grappling athletes it's kind of um crossfit style workouts but it's low skill so there's not a lot of like gymnastics movements and the olympic lifting is kind of um you know reserved for like power movement so you're not doing full squat cleans and full snatches and things like that so less likelihood of injury if you don't really know what you're doing um as far as that stuff goes um but that'll be up at recoathletics.com pretty soon and also up there soon will be some t-shirts and hats and things like that so you can kind of support that project this podcast and everything else we do through that as well so uh check that stuff out Arab proven crossfit port city bjj this podcast website, sharpironsociety.com and ricoathletics.com, and uh, kind of check out and see what we're doing. Yeah, here's the podcast.
back. We are back. Yes. Back to Sharp Iron Society, number 18. For shizzle. When are we going to stop counting the numbers? I, <laughs> I, I guess I just keep track of them. Right. That way I can listen to the first five seconds of my nasally voice and know what number we're on. Right. So not only are we back from uh, a little bit of a hiatus, but uh, Derek's back from Thailand. Thailand. Went, went to Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is a, I don't know, to me, it's a, it's a very interesting thing. It was, it was awesome to, uh, watch the piss, the, the pictures, um, come over social media from, from all the stuff he was taking pictures of and, uh, and see a little bit of the differences than when I went to it 15 years ago, whereas you went to it a couple weeks ago. Right. Uh, so I thought that was one of the interesting things. Like, so I, and talk about like the whole experience or whatever. One of the things we did is we went to this island called Koh Chang Island. And uh, and I have to assume that this is the way it is with a lot of the islands in Thailand. Is 15 years ago, there was no tourist industry because there, no, there was no internet there. And there was no barely any paved roads and things like that. So I had to have to imagine that even just in the past, you know what I mean? Like it's just completely different now than yeah. when you went. So, I didn't get to go to that island, but I went to another island, and and it's like, it like it, I think our we'll have to like figure out our our, our similarities and differences, right? Um, but I mean the the island you went to it was pretty uninhabited, or well, it I think it's on the verge of blowing up and becoming. Uh, like a destination, like people are starting to find out about it. Um, the reason that we went there was because um, it's not a big tourist destination. So we didn't want to do like the whole like, you know, um, my, I was there with my wife and um, neither of us are like like big night people and don't go to nightclubs and things like that. And like when you start getting to southern Thailand, like, Phuket and places like that, like that's what they, I mean, to be honest with you, the whole country kind of is like that, like stuff doesn't start happening till nighttime, Yeah. Um, but we wanted to go somewhere that wasn't like a tourist trap, and that's kind of why I picked Kochang, because it's kind of in between, like it's starting to develop, and there is stuff there, but it's not a big tourist section, so that's kind of why we went there, there's like one road that goes around the whole outside of the island and there's stuff on that road like you know some hotels and things like that and some a couple of markets and there's a few like small village like areas where there's like stuff to see and do and there's like some cool piers and beaches and all that but then in the interior of the island it's really mountainous and there's like literally nothing on the interior like there are a bunch of waterfalls like um Chang is actually a a Thai national park. So okay. it's like all protected area. That's awesome. Yeah. So there's like no, there's nothing on the inside. It's just, and we rented a car on a, on one of the days and I drove around and we just did the whole loop on the outside and kind of explored some things and, and like buy a car. Cause we didn't, I mean, it'd take you multiple days to walk you know what i mean so we uh, just so is, the, is that big how many, how many hours does it take you to go around it i think it's like from one end of the road and it's weird because the road doesn't connect like there's <laughs> literally a starting point and an ending point and they're like 
50 feet from each other. <laughs> like, so we'd started, <laughs> we started on one side and just drove around the whole island. And I think it took us like, uh, I mean, we were stopping and checking things out and whatever, but probably like six hours. Oh, that's not that bad. No. Like, and it wasn't like, I mean, if you just I think got in your car and drove with purpose, you could probably do it in an hour or two hours, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But, I mean, we stopped and took some pictures and kind of went into some shops and things like that. So, like, half the day we just kind of got in this car and drove around. You didn't want to rent mopeds? Uh, no. I. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, for some reason like a the the whole especially in Kochang like well the the driving in Thailand anyway is insane it's yeah. just ridiculous but in Kochang like the the roads are so skinny and the locals there have no regard for people on mopeds you know what I mean like they'll either drive you off the road or drive into that old lane trying to get around you you know what I mean yeah um so I was like. I know how to drive a car really well. You know what I mean? Like it, I'm in a metal box, so I won't. <laughs> if I get run into, I won't die. You know. So like, we rented a car. Plus, I wanted the experience of driving a car on the left hand side of the road. Anyway, like because I, I I had driven I've driven cars that were meant to be driven on the left on the right in the United States. Yeah. But I'd never driven on the left, so I was like. I'll just give it a shot, see what, you know what I mean, for just for the experience. When you got when you got back, did you have a hard time? Uh, like, I, I last time I did that, I was in Ireland and I drove in Ireland a lot. <clears throat> I came back and I was pulling, I was pulling out of somebody's driveway, and I pulled right into the left hand lane, like instinctually because that's what I'd been doing like the previous week is like driving on the left hand lane, and I'm like, and I almost got in an accident because. <laughs> Because I was in the left-hand lane, not in the correct right-hand lane. No, uh, I mean I only drove that one day, yeah. so it was only one, and it was it wasn't all day. It was only for a couple hours, um, but I did a bunch of times when I was driving that car, like start driving on the right-hand side. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, gotta be on the left. So that was kind of an experience, but yeah, I, I think that that would be one of the biggest similarities and difference or one of the biggest differences between when you went and when I went is that I mean I I so as much as like we we talked we have talked about this before and it's been a different sentiment um being in Thailand made me realize how amazing technology is <laughs> not because I was eager to get back to it but with the aid of technology in Thailand, yeah, it made things so much easier. Like, I tried to like, like have a perspective where I was like, "Well, how would I do this if, if I didn't have technology?" So I like tried to do it, and then there was just some things where I was like, "You know, screw it, I'm just gonna, whatever." Um, but everywhere, even on this island that had one road, there was internet everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, that's amazing. You got, you got and like, um. So when we landed in Thailand, uh, I, so before we went, like I, I got a SIM card for an international SIM card for my phone and lo and behold, I get to Thailand and it doesn't work. So <laughs> we had to buy Thai SIM cards, which like they make it super easy right in the airport. You go and you buy a SIM card and they put it in your phone, they activate your phone. You have a Thai phone yeah. with a Thai phone number, but it's your phone that you've been using the whole time. So I had to do that. And you get 4G or LTE everywhere. 
it's crazy. Like, That's... Th- like I can get, I get better. Like sitting here right now in this podcast studio, I got better service in Thailand than I do right here right now. It was, it's insane. That that's not right. You're like it's yeah, it's you you it's I can't believe it. It's everywhere you go, you get unbelievable service. So the difference of fifteen years is you have unlimited cell phone service just by changing up this little tiny microchip in your phone. Right. Whereas I was I was like, oh look, it's an internet station. I gotta go in there and blast out an email to all the people that are wondering what the hell is going on with me and if I'm still alive. And that'd be like every couple of weeks, I just like go into an internet place and like blast out an email and then and then keep on going. There, there really was like, I mean, I don't even know if they had cell phones at that time. It was possible. I, I just don't remember. Right. Well, and that was the other awesome thing was like, I tried to get lost in Bangkok. Like I was like, I'm just going to like, cause, um, so the whole reason I was there was because, um, my wife had to go there for work. Um, so she had to be in Bangkok from Monday to Thursday. Um, and she would work like do a bunch of stuff in the morning or, and then like have the afternoon off and then have to go back for like a work dinner or something at night. So like from Pretty much the time I got up till right after lunch, I was there by myself. And then some of the afternoons, like she went and did stuff with her coworkers anyway. So I had like all day to do stuff by myself. And like there was some points where I was like, I'm just going to try to go get lost in Bangkok, whatever. But the reason that I was able to do that is because I knew that if I did get lost, all I did was call up Google Maps on my phone and be like, here's the address of the hotel. How do I get back there? You know what I mean? And it was never like I was walking further than I could get back. You know what I mean? Like, or, I mean, the taxis and stuff like that is, is taxi system is pretty easy. Tuk tuk. Right. And getting on a tuk tuk is easy, but nothing was like without at least a long walk away. You know what I mean? So I'd just go putz around Bangkok and be like, all right, it's like a smelling these smells and being this sweaty. How do I get back to the hotel and just call up Google Maps and be like, oh, I gotta walk, you know, 30, that, that, 35 minutes this way. That's amazing. Like I, I think I think I remember walking around and and like how I my navigation was, um, but I think I like I like lived on a lonely planet, uh, book. Right. Like I had a backpack with my camera and a lonely planet book, and that well, was about it. What's awesome now is Lonely Planet has an app your phone you know what i mean <laughs> so like you just and we did get a lonely planet book before we went like some guy from britney's work gave us one so we like yeah. looked through it or whatever but like i was like so i looked up i just typed in thailand on in the app store on itunes and like one of the first things that came out was like lonely planet thailand so i was like That's well, awesome. i'll download that <laughs> yeah so it was i mean internet like as much as we shit on technology like it made my trip way more enjoyable just because i could relax on like it was almost gave me the it gave me more freedom to go get lost and do sketchy shit just knowing that i had a connection and i could get my way out of it yeah which it was it was amazing it was like i like that was one thing i kept thinking walking around like i'd I'd put my phone in my pocket and just walk and see things and whatever you know pull my phone out take a quick picture and look at my phone. I'm like, wow, I have full service here, 4G and internet access, right in the middle of the street. <laughs> no, I, I, I think there was that was that was the thing that like it really didn't blow my mind until you were over there, and and like all of a sudden it's just like 
Derek Stevens one minute ago posted this picture and then a bunch of hashtags on it. Uh. And I'm like, like it, it totally like dot, like like just settled in. I was, I was like, I'm like my mind in Thailand is still living in the past. It's still living 15 years ago where there was like there was only internet stations where you could blast out email. There was no technology, and and you're just walking around downtown Bangkok, uh, like take a picture, throw it up on the web, and like I'm on the other side of the world in a different time zone and like looking at him like cool he's walking down the street (laughs) well like that that's the amazing part about technology is just like it's instant yeah well and then the other thing too is like um some things that definitely made me realize about just life in general traveling to a country like that is or just 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 made some realizations i made was one is like you don't realize the influence the United States has on the rest of the world until you leave the United States and you start seeing those countries and, and, and seeing how far the United the U.S. reach is. Um, there's so many U.S. companies in Thailand, and it's on the other side of the planet. You know what I mean? There's a McDonald's everywhere. Getting a Starbucks coffee is not hard. Uh, there's Starbucks over there? Yes. Like, <laughs> a bunch of them. Like, like... From our hotel, within like a mile and a half walk, there's like six. Was where we were staying. There's six Starbucks. Um, 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven is huge in Thailand. Yeah, I remember huge. 7-Eleven was over there, but it's huge. And Th- and it's like it's it's not like 7-Eleven. I mean, I guess it is. It's like think of like the best 7-Eleven in the United States. That's the average 7-Eleven in Thailand. Like they have everything in there. Um, so like. There's just so many U.S. companies in Thailand. You know what I mean? Like you see the reach of the United States. And then the other thing that was kind of amazing, um, not only is like, you know, uh, ca- U.S. capitalism that far-reaching, but U.S. culture is that far-reaching too. Um, American music playing in ev- everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Like no... Thai music it's all like I can honestly say that I heard more awesome cover songs of popular music right now in Thailand than I hear in the United States like people and like but like not Thais covering popular music like it was like obscure American artists covering American pop songs and they were awesome songs. You know what I mean? Like, just like weird, like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just. And that like, was kind of everywhere? Everywhere. Every restaurant you went into. Like, we went into this, like, um, <laughs> so, I mean, but like, going to these, like, hole in the wall places to eat and on the radio is American music. Crazy. <laughs> um, I can tell you this much that there are hipsters everywhere. The hipster <laughs> scene is. Everywhere. So many hipsters in Thailand. Like, the hipster scene is strong in Thailand. Oh, geez. Like, um, and the other thing that was kind of cool that I really, like, it was interesting. Like, I wish that I had more, um, I don't know what the word is, it for more guts, more balls to ask people to take their picture um, and, like, and, and take advantage of that. I think that on my other travels, I'm going to make it a point to do that, take more portrait pictures of people. But there's a huge, like, cafe racer, mod rocker 
yeah. scene in Thailand. Like there's, um, I think it's, I couldn't, I can't figure it out. I've been trying to do some research on um, the internet a little bit and I found some stuff, but I haven't really figured out what's going on because I saw some, but I think they sell cafe racers at dealerships and they have, um, you know how they have like the number plate on the front fender of yeah. a cafe racer, but they, it just says stallions on it. So I saw a bunch of these motorcycles, and I don't know if it's like you buy it and you on like buy that motorcycle and you're in the club, or like I don't, I can't figure out like what the story is behind this this nameplate on this front fender. But I saw so many cafe racers, like awesome Triumph cafe racers, like yeah. all murdered out or like OD green and like either like a like canvas saddleback, like just like the coolest shit ever. But they all had this number plate. On the front fender that said stallions on it. And like, but they'd get dressed up in the whole thing, like leather jackets with, you know, uh, the open face helmets with like an eight ball painted on the side of it or like an ace or something and like scarves and leather goggles and like the whole like hipster mod rocker cafe racer scene. Like, I was just like, interesting. And they'd all just bomb around Bangkok. Like, they uh when I was over there it was <clears throat> I think like the only like real motorcycle scene they had was like was like souped up 125 150 cc motorcycles. They there there really wasn't like real mo I mean there was some real motorcycles here and there but for the most part like everybody drove like a little little 125 100 cc mo- moped but there was like some speed ones and those were like well, those that, were in. Well that that well, was the other thing too was like um like you either drove, if you weren't going to drive a car, we can talk about, I could spend an hours just talking about the car scene in Bangkok because I was fascinated by it. And I like went and seeked and, and sought it out a little bit. But um, if you weren't driving like a regular moped or whatever, a lot of them drove like those super motard, like they're like, um, like four stroke dirt bikes constri- converted to street. Yeah, use. like they have like slick tires on them. They don't have like off-road tires on everyone. They stick directionals and and like a an aftermarket headlight on it, and they just drive it. But they're all like four-stroke, yeah, like like two hundred or one fifties or whatever. Um, so that was that was kind of cool. Um, they have like this weird like, uh, yeah, like that. Like that's like what they drove around on. It's like that super motard style dirt bike thing, <laughs> like. Um, but then like that, like, uh, well, first and foremost, you have to like say that like they get vehicles there that we don't get here, which is awesome. Like they still get the Toyota Helix, which is like, instead of a Tacoma, it's like in between the Tacoma and the Tundra. It's like this mid-sized truck. Toyota Helix. Yeah. And, uh. They come like they come diesel. They're like this mid-sized truck that comes diesel. It's awesome. But everyone modifies them. Like they have all ha- and like Volk rays or like the wheels you get over there, which are like really hard to get in the United States. And uh, right there, yeah, Helix. Wow, that's like. <laughs> but they come. Th- that's like a, that, that's exactly what it is. The way you said it. it was like it's in between like. It's almost like they they kind of like took an old tundra and they like started like putting on like the new tundra parts and be like, ah, we'll just go halfway. But they all they come like s- six cylinder diesels, so everything over like is a diesel. Um, they still have like their Ford Ranger. Like look up t- 
Thai Ford Ranger is way cooler than the Ford Ranger you get in the United States. Yeah, you know, like I've been, I, I mean, not not to crap on American uh, American diesels. Like, if Toyota ever came over here and like actually had a had a uh, like like a standard like diesel truck um, for for common use instead of like I think they Toyota owns uh, another like truck company. It's like uh, I don't remember the name of it. Um, but they, they have diesels over here, but it's more of like commercial trucks. But if they came over and had like, has like, had like a private market for, for diesels, they would completely destroy the American diesel industry. Well, I know like even like how they build them, the the new Tundra TRD pro that you can get in the United States still has a Cummings in it. You know what I mean? It's not a, it's not a Toyota made diesel. Um, but the other thing is like you can get a Chevy, um, Colorado in Thailand with a 2.5 Duramax. (laughs) which is <laughs> like it's like a four-cylinder duramax it's it's hilarious um but they just have like all these different cars that you can't get in the united states over there so i spent like day like the traffic in thailand so bad that i just sat there some days and watched cars that will never get in the united states to drive by but they everyone modifies their cars like have, they, have like, they cleaned up their pollution at all no it's the dirtiest city i've ever Not been to <laughs> but all the cars are lowered have wheels on them you know uh like some kind of like stickers on them and stuff like that. Like they do so much car modification over there. Like the car mod scene is like huge over there. It's hilarious. I I'm I'm kind of like kind of uh, drawing you back to uh, one thing you said that you were saying that it's like popular music was everywhere and American music was everywhere. Where like it really wasn't. You it was only like the tourist places you you would hear like American music blasting out of a store. Like anywhere else that was like untoursed, it was like your Thai music. Um, that that kind of is interesting. That like they just they've completely abandoned and they go just westernized like music. Um, yeah, it, it, you could just and well, the other thing that is interesting about it is um, the dynamic of who speaks English over there and who doesn't. Um, like there were some places like where it caught me when I could when I would go to do something, got to the point where if a Thai person spoke good English to me, I was like, "Whoa, this is weird." You know what I mean? Like you speak, where I like, and they know just enough to make it more difficult than it needs to be. You know what I mean? Like if they didn't know any English at all, I'd be like, "Oh, this is a lost cause. I'll move on or whatever." But like there was a point where I had to go get more, like put more money on my phone because I had used all the data. And like, so you go into a Seven Eleven and you pay for it. They give you a receipt and it's got a code on it, and you dial this number and just put the code in, and you get more, whatever data on your phone. And I was like, yeah, I need, like, they call it top up. I need to top up my phone. And they were like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean no? Like, I'm like, do you? Can I do that here? And they're like, no. And I was like. I see it on the door that you can do this. Like, so I had to go over the door and be like, I need, I need to do this. Like, like, and then, so they're like, but then they yelled to some, like, and then the lady at the counter yells to this kid and this kid who's like 12 comes up from the back and he's like, what do you need? But it was like some, some 12 year old kid comes from the back and is like, yeah, I can help you out. So in other words, it was just her being like, no, I don't know how to do that. Right. Not, <laughs> but if she was like, no, 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 how, whatever, like, yeah, whatever. No, it was just straight no. But it was like, no. <laughs> I was like, 
right. You know what I mean? So it made it like if she was like if I said it to her and she like rattled off some stuff in Thai back to me that like I'm like, all right, I get it. Like you don't speak any English. Like you know what I mean? Like <laughs> but she knew just like everyone knew everyone knows just enough to make it like where you're like, I could possibly get this accomplished, but it's gonna be really, really hard. <laughs> Yeah, so that, I mean, but like I said, like, but it seems like all the younger generation, they all know pretty good English. Interesting. Yeah. So it's like, it's becoming even more like westernized. Yeah, it's, it's, I, that's one thing that like my wife and I were talking about when we were walking around is like how it's just the influence of the United States on there in particular. I was like, this is crazy. Well, it was. I mean, you could still find some very, very traditional stuff happening over there. They were kind of still their own country when I was there. But I mean, like, even though like it was changing, and it's been changing for the most part, I believe since like the Vietnam War, because we had a lot of stations over there. There was a lot of, a lot of, a uh, lot of servicemen over there, and it started changing their culture a little bit. But, well, that's like the I whole mean, story behind uh, that soy cowboy. Did you ever go there? No. So, so I, and I only did it during the day because I was like, I, I can't, I couldn't, I don't think I could hang here at night. Um, but soy cowboy, so soy is street in Thai, so it's cowboy street, and it's where all the GIs from Vietnam when they were on R and R would go and hang out in Bangkok. Yeah. And it's all nightclubs. The whole thing is is it's like a block of nightclubs. It's like uh, Bourbon Street. Yeah. Like it says all, but if you know anything for the Thai culture, it's also where like the hookers hang out yeah. and the prostitutes. And is it is it is is cowboy the nickname or is it or is it that that just the uh, I don't know that, if that's but if you look up on Google Maps and type in soy cowboy, it comes up. I'm curious because um, that sounds like it could be Pat Pong Road, which is like. Well, no. So th- there's more than one place where like there's like a red light district and everything which i did not go to yeah um but soy cowboy is like it was not that far from my our hotel it's in you know in downtown bangkok there's like a bunch of other normal shit around um but it's just this street of nightclubs and i walked down and was like jesus christ like you can't you couldn't drive down soy cowboy you'd you'd have to walk yeah i just brought it up it says similar to pat bong and nana plaza yeah um, but yeah. I guess that's the story behind it is that's where all the American GIs would go and hang out when they were on R&R from Vietnam. <laughs> uh, so, I, like, and well, that's the other thing that I didn't know until after I got there, which was a little unsettling, was that um, Thailand's under a military coup right now. So the, their military runs Thailand. There's no president or prime minister or anything like that. And I think it's a... Um, no, the, like the king still isn't... I think he's there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they, they let him be like, yeah, you can still be the king, but you're not running shit. <laughs> like the, the military runs Thailand. And I, and I guess that's like, it's gotten a lot better in the past. I guess it's been under military coup for like five or eight years now. And I guess in that five or eight years, it's gotten a lot better. But you can tell that they are only concerned with crimes that like are... Um, detrimental to people like you know obviously murder you know rape stealing things like that um, but like there are no traffic laws in Bangkok whatsoever like if you don't want to stop at a red light don't stop at the red light like interesting drive 
into the other lane, drive up on the sidewalk if you want. It's complete, like, driving in Bangkok or Thailand period is complete mayhem. It's, like... They didn't have the, uh, they, when, when I was there, they had, like, at, like, major, major intersections, they would have, it was, like, this weird guard station where it had, did they, I mean, they they obviously still had police there, right? Yeah. Like, the white helmets and, and OD green, like... Uh, but they had actual stations for these guys to hang out in the mid- middle of like this major, major intersection where it was just like a really big helmet on top of it. So it was like you would see like this white helmet with like the OD green stripe on it. They didn't even have that anymore. No. And to be honest with you, like I did see like it was that there's so f- su- such a for me anyway. I mean, I, I can only tell you from my perspective, but from my perspective, there's such a small police influence that when i did see them i was like oh what the hell's going on you know what i mean because they do look kind of menacing with their because they're, they're dressed in military garb you know what i mean they have od green uniforms on they have helmets on it's like swat yeah here but that's their standard police attire you know um so they are like when you see them you're like oh shit's getting serious and they might just be buying a coffee you know what i mean but yeah. i saw so few of them that like when i did see them they stuck out like a sore thumb um but yeah, it's like I think that's why like, um, like I know that like child prostitution is illegal in Thailand, but eighteen and over, I think it is like here, um, it's perfectly legal. You know, and I think that has a lot to do with the military. Like then, like they're not hurting anybody. You know, like no one's getting hurt by doing this. Yeah. You know, it's it's a, it's a victimless crime, so. I, re- I we'll just let it happen. You know what I mean. I remember like them, like police walking the beat, not I, necessarily like, and they were just not to be found. I I saw very few. I could like I mean I could, I I saw so few that thinking about it now is like I can't remember a specific time where I saw them. Like you know what I mean? Like it's just they it was non-existent. That blows my mind. I mean, I I'd even like go like you'd be going through intersections and there there'd be like this podium where one of them would be standing up on this podium like directing traffic. No traffic. Like <laughs> they had street lights. I mean, and the <laughs> the whole thing of going to Thailand. I mean, I haven't done a whole lot of traveling in my life. Like this is I I ha- I had to get my first passport to make this trip. Like that's how um, novice of a traveler I am, um, and the whole thing kind of changed my perspective. But it was one of those situations where Thailand has in Bangkok. There's 6.7 million people in Bangkok, and it was one of those things where it was um, I don't know what the word for it is, but everyone just agrees to be followed certain laws you know what i mean like if no one there was like i don't want to follow these laws anymore and this is going to be complete anarchy and mayhem we're going to burn everything to the ground no one would be able to stop it you know what i mean it's like it's like civil obedience everyone's just like yeah we, we agree that you know we're gonna make some civil agreement that we're gonna behave you yeah know what i mean because if they didn't want to no one would be able to stop them i just looked up uh the uh population 2010 census mind you they haven't done the census in quite some time uh eight million two thousand eighty eight eight million two hundred eighty thousand uh nine hundred twenty five in bangkok in bangkok i believe it man it's there's so many people there i mean that's got to be it's got to be up to like ten thousand 
And like they literally, or 10 million. Uh, and like I said, like they like if those people wanted to just go off the rails and <laughs> and cause some havoc, no one would be able to stop them. Luckily, they're like the nicest people on the face of the planet. Yeah, as far as like culture wise, I mean, do, is there still like a, a like a good amount of culture? There's a lot of like Buddhist culture and yeah, that was the other cool thing is like you'd walk down the street in Bangkok, busy, busy Bangkok, and you'd see a Buddhist monk just like walking with his like he's got a stick with two bags on it with his groceries in it and you know his orange get up and sandals and shaved head. And yeah, just like so through all this mayhem, whatever you still have, you know. These Buddhist monks. Um, we went to a few temples, and like, yeah, you went to the palace, didn't you? Yeah, and they wouldn't let us in because we had shorts and t-shirts on, and you have to have <laughs> long sleeves and long pants to get into the palace. Uh, so we like kind of just mulled around the outside. They went to some other um, temples that weren't as strict. Like you still like had to take your shoes off and couldn't wear a hat and things like that, which is you know fine. But um, yeah. So and there's like a lot that whole. Like, it's so funny. Like, you see, like, <clears throat> this big, like, we went to that one with the sleeping Buddha. Yeah. And it's, like, this, like, 400-foot-long Buddha made out of solid gold. And um, the monks are restoring it, the Buddhist monks. So they have, like, their same, like, outfit on. That or- I don't even know what it's called. Like, their orange shawl with sandals, shaved heads, whatever, but they have power tools, like, fixing this, <laughs> like, this Buddha up, you know what I mean? So it was just this weird contrast of, like, history and, and modern technology. It was funny. Um, yeah, it was it was interesting, for this sure. Is the one, this is the one with uh, you coming around to the feet, and there's there's swastikas on the feet. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was, that was probably, like, like, one of the, those weird things where it's just, like, it's, like... It's swastika. It's going the wrong way. It, well, not the wrong way. It's going the right way. Excuse me. All right. <laughs> it's going the right way. Right. But it's 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 contrary to the swastika that like us, America is used to seeing. Right. Um, and those that was interesting. Like I I loved going to Watts. I I think those were the coolest things. Yeah. You go in and you just like it's like everything just like shh, gets quiet and it's like it's peaceful. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was interesting. Changed my perspective on a lot of things, like just life in general. Like, I'm um, definitely looking forward to kind of exploring more of the world because of that trip. You know what I mean? It kind of planted that traveling bug a little bit. Um, yeah. But it it really just changed my perspective on a lot of things. It showed you how amazing the United States is, but also where it falters a little bit. Like one of the things about I we recognize about thailand is um a even the people who aren't in good shape are still in good shape like there's, <laughs> there's no like very 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 little obesity in thailand like i could i Puck think it's so hot they're just melting it off sweating right <laughs> but i feel like um like they, they just eat different too you know what i mean yeah. like even the things that are fried, like deep fried, is all like in peanut oil. You know what I mean? It's not like in like vegetable oil and things like that. And everything. Uh, I mean, that, that stems from like their culture. It's just like it, is is everything is is super important to them to be fresh. Right. Like they well, don't I could see why. Shit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. in that heat, nothing's gonna last anyway. Yeah. You know, it's all gonna spoil. So you need like if you don't eat fresh, you're gonna get sick. Yeah. Um. So there's like, but and there's no like you. <laughs> 
remember, like, one thing that my wife said to me, she was like, do you notice that there's no handicap parking anywhere? Like, and, but the other thing was, like, other than, like, a few, like, a homeless people that were clearly handicapped, like, if you were capable and not handicapped, and you, you weren't considered handicapped, you know what I mean? It's not like, I don't know. Just That's because the, they still throw them off the cliff. <laughs> right. <laughs> not really. <laughs> but it was just weird, like, how, like, like, it just, so you could, like, can't really say what's right or wrong about certain cultures, you know, but the, the, just the differences that, you, that might work out a little better. Yeah. You know what I mean? How was, like, as far as, like, uh, handicaps, like, uh, the larger percentage of what I remember of people begging on the street were people that, like, I mean, I mean, some people just didn't have legs. Right. Um, and, like, how was the, uh, how was the beggar population and the gypsy population? I didn't, like, so there was, we definitely ran into some people, you know, kind of panhandling and begging on the street. Um, but even those people seemed like they, like, it was interesting, like, why are you handicapped? You don't seem any different than the rest of these people. Like, I saw a lot of, and I, I want, um, saw a lot of people begging with children, which I was saw, like, I remember that. which was like kind of fucked up. But then I'm like, maybe, like, maybe that's your hustle. You know what I mean? Kind of yeah. like here. That you know, it's funny you bring up that word because I was just thinking of that word. Because I, I'm, I'm like, you know, it, it's almost like begging is looked down upon in the in in the Thai society, and it, it's it's more, more like, no, man, you don't go out and beg, you go out and hustle, right? And it's like it's like everybody's there to like kind of hustle you for something, right? Not necessarily like in in a uh, in, in an evil way, or but like they're just there to hustle. It's like, right. hey, it's like, come on, get my tuk tuk. Yeah, get my yeah. Pal- palace is closed today. Right. I'll take you somewhere else. All right. Get in my taxi. I'll take you to the floating market. I don't know how many times people said it to me. I'm like, stop telling me to get in your taxi. <laughs> I don't want to. I'm, I'm walking to get a coffee five feet away. I don't want to. Between the hotel and the coffee place, I don't need to get in your did I not? Taxi. Did I not warn you guys? Like, yeah. I, I remember like my, my, my biggest like uh, uh, advice was like, go get a tan and uh, don't look American. Uh, like just get this like you you want at it like i remember we, we were talking about this where it's just like you get this look upon you that's just like you don't exist in my world stop talking to me like i'm just right. ignoring you but once you engage then it's just like game on right right <laughs> yeah uh what is this floating market like i don't remember i don't remember that i we didn't go um but i think it's like it's a market because markets are huge in Thailand for some reason. Like everywhere has got a, a huge market. Um, but they do all their selling out of like canoes. And it's in the middle of this river. And you get a canoe and someone to paddle you around. And you just go like you're walking through a market but in a canoe. And you buy stuff out of people's canoes. I've seen pictures of it. We didn't go. Like I was like, nah, I don't want to go to a... Set. That sounds similar to uh, I got in one of the, the one of the long boats and they basically like took took us across the river from from uh, kind of like the main main area. Remember that fort that I uh, I don't know if you guys even got got down to it, but there was like this this one fort and right down the way you could pick up a uh, uh, a long boat and take you across the river to um, basically all these houses on 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 pylons like in, on on piers. And you just drive through, and there's all these like 
they're selling so actually i guess i do i did go to the floating market right. i remember like you just go through and you buy things and i bought a couple of like little trinkets right. whatever but interesting that they would like that's like their their thing is like the floating market oh well, there's so many markets like one of the days we went um and it that's something that's interesting about thailand is um nothing opens in the morning everything starts to happen like at 4 p.m. in the afternoon because I think, A, it's so hot that no one goes out and mulls around, but everyone's working anyway, like whatever their regular, you know, non-sales uh, job is, you know what I mean? Um, whether you work at a car dealership or some kind of corporate corporation, you're you're at work till 4. Um, so this market opens at 6 o'clock and we took this boat over across the river and it's like um it's weird it's like a mall outside and like just have everything from like handbags to like you can buy like a north like a really and i'm sure it's like either extra stock they bought real cheap or it's complete knockoff but you can buy like a, a really nice north face basket uh backpack for like 10 bucks and, and stuff like that like they didn't have any in my size but they had like knock off i tried well and that's something if you are more than a large in thailand forget trying to buy anything that fits like <laughs> okay nothing nothing has changed in 15 years right right so like finding an extra large t-shirt and anything is impossible but uh they had like it was like floral pattern tank tops like men's tank tops with like like hawaiian print whatever but then they just with like no disregard to copyright rules would just print like nike on the front or vans or adidas or something like that so i wanted to buy a vans one but they didn't have any in my size of course so i was like but like just shops like that you know yeah. what i mean and like um i think my wife bought a uh a cashmere scarf that like she told me that she's like and i don't know anything about cashmere or scarves but she was like you know if i was to buy this in the united states it'd be like two hundred dollars it was like thirty dollars in thailand you know yeah. what i mean and it was like real cashmere like um i guess the other thing in thailand is like um because my wife's sister's a jeweler so my w wife got into jewelry making and all that stuff so she knows all about stones and all the stuff like that that sapphires are huge in thailand and mm -hmm. like sapphires are super expensive in the united states but she bought like 500 of them for like a hundred dollars <laughs> like just like jesus yeah so like so this weird shit you can get in Thailand that you can't get here super cheap. I mean, everything in Thailand is cheap. You should have got a suit when you were over there. Well, that's the other it's thing, like too. It was like 50 bucks yeah. for, for like a $2,000 suit. Right. Yeah. It was just, it's crazy. Um, we missed the, um, and this is a whole another story on its own. Like the whole thing was an experience. But uh, we missed the bus to go from Bangkok to Koh Chang. And, uh, so we had to hire a personal driver and we were like, we didn't, we didn't know if you're going to hire a driver. So we're like trying to figure out like what's going on or whatever. And, uh, they're like, Oh, I was like, can we just hire someone to take us there? Like a driver or whatever. And the lady behind the counter who was running the, um, the travel agency thing. I and mean, she was a Thai woman spoke really good English. And she was like, no, 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 that's no, way too expensive. Way too expensive. I'm like, how much is it? She's like 4,000 baht. And I'm like, so I whip up my phone and it's, 35 baht equals a dollar so i'm like it's 114 dollars i'm like i'll just hire this guy to take us to fucking kochang like it was just crazy like and that's a five-hour drive so we paid some guy 114 dollars to drive 10 hours and had to put gas in his car 
Like, it was, it was just crazy. It was insane. Oh, you drove you back, too? No, but he had to drive back. Oh, he like, drove... He'd, he'd dr- drive himself there and then come back. He lived in Bangkok. So it was a 10-hour drive for this poor guy. Yeah, you need to elaborate, elaborate on that story, because you were telling me the other night, this is funny shit. Well, it wasn't funny at the time. It was, it was fucking horrifying. I was petrified. But, um... So we get in this guy's car and we're driving around. And for some reason, it takes us like an hour to leave the city. Like we're driving all around. Like I swear to God, we did like just made consecutive bigger circles away from the hotel until we were <laughs> outside of the city. Which like like I said, like if we were paying by the hour, I would have been pissed. But we paid him a flat rate. So I was like, fucking whatever. So I saw a ton of Bangkok by car apparently. But then we get out on the highway. And we're driving on the highway, and he t- turns off the highway, and it's the weirdest thing ever. Like, granted, they were doing road construction out here, so there was like Jersey barriers down the middle of the the road and on the outside of the road, or whatever. But we're driving down a dirt road essentially because they ripped up all the tar. And it's like, um, once you go outside of Bangkok, it really is like a third world country. Like, and the, the other weird thing is all these like there's houses, and they all have metal roofs that are like patched and like it wouldn't surprise me if you like none of these places have indoor plumbing like that's what they look like they're all run down but every house has a brand new car in the driveway like so it's like your house is falling down you have a patched roof no indoor plumbing barely any electricity but you have a forty thousand dollar car in your driveway you know what i mean of course (laughs) this is weird but we're driving down this dirt road, and like I said, the driving in Thailand is insane. Like, they're doing, like, 100 down this dirt road. Everyone, we're rocking back and forth down this dirt road. Dust is going. I look up at the driver, and he's falling asleep at the wheel, like, like doing, like, the head bob. Like, and, like, I can tell he's falling asleep because he goes from having the gas pinned to the floor <laughs> to when he falls asleep, the gas lets up a little. So the car's, like, doing this, like, <laughs> and every time the gas comes off he's like doing the head bop like to the point where i had to yell at him i'm like hey like don't fall asleep up there and he's like and his broken english he's like sorry sorry didn't get any sleep last night i'm like fucking great we're driving five hours down a highway doing 90 fucking dirt road to the guy falling asleep like it was to the point where i was like i <laughs> the other fucked up thing was we hired this personal driver and for some reason, my seat did not have a seat belt. <laughs> like, like the, the seat naturally, belt, the seat belt buckle was just not there. Like you could see where the bracket was, and it like broke, and they just took it off and was like, "Fuck it, I'm not putting one back on." Was it a car or was it like a van? It was a, it was like a van, but it had doors. Like instead of sliding doors, yeah. the doors just opened. Um, so I got to the point where I were like, I lean, I got to the edge of my seat and like was hanging on to the seat in front, two seats in front of me, waiting for this guy to fall asleep so I might have a chance of jumping in the front and hanging on to the steering wheel and putting the car in neutral and jacking up the emergency brake. That was like my plan, just in case this guy fell asleep. And uh, we like stopped halfway and we bought him a bunch of Red Bulls. Like he was like, we're like, just fucking drink these. <laughs> like don't fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. And we got, finally, we got to the ferry and where he's like, I mean, he was like, it was almost one of those, he was like super, a super sweet guy, like almost to the, like where he was like, uh, I feel like he was a little, maybe a little simple, you know what I mean? Like slow. Um, but he was like, it was so funny. He was trying to like, uh, 
like convince us to let him come pick us up and let us, instead of us taking the bus back to Bangkok and we're like, no, it's fine, buddy. Like, we'll, we'll take the bus. Don't worry about it. It was fucking hilarious. Like, at, in retrospect, it was really funny, but fucking, we're in, in Thailand, in the countryside, this third world country, bombing down a dirt road and our fucking driver's falling asleep. It was, it was nerve wracking for sure. That's awesome. Do they uh do they still have Red Bulls in the glass bottles yeah, or yeah, yeah yeah it's like it's like uncarbonated right I don't know I didn't have one I was like this this looks like it's diesel <laughs> I'm not even gonna do this I got I remember getting hooked on that stuff when I was over there just like they had it in every every place and it was just yeah. like what is this thing that everybody's drinking over here and they have like another energy drink called M eighty five. Yes, it's like the, I love that shit. The, the yellow star on it. <laughs> you can get that. You can get that at the Asian market in Portsmouth. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was like, I'm not trying any of this shit. <laughs> no, no thanks. Um, the thing that like I did drink a lot of is they have um, like everyone makes um, they call them shakes. So it's like uh, like but they're fruit and have no dairy in them. So like you put, it's literally just fruit, sugar, water, and ice, and they just blend it all up. So like I had I fucking drank watermelon shakes every day. It was so good. <laughs> That's one thing I'll definitely miss about Thailand. Um, how, what'd you do for food? How was uh how was the eating scene? Um, so I don't fly very well. Um, like for some reason, it like messes up my guts really bad. Like I just have like an upset stomach from the time I get on the plane to like two days after I land. Like. Just nothing agrees with me. Like I'm like super bloated and I have like rock hard stomach. Like and I don't even like like I I tried this trip because I knew it happened because I have been like I've flown to California and back a couple times and things like that and it happens when I do that. So I was like, I'm gonna eat really clean and like not have anything carbonated, make sure I drink plenty of water and it still didn't make a difference. Like I still my guts are all messed up. So like the first couple of days when you get to Thailand, like I actually tried to eat stuff I was familiar with just because I didn't want to upset it anymore because I wasn't sure. So, like, there was, like, a um, – I forget what the name of the place is. It was, like, some American-style coffee place. So, like, I ate a couple bagels, you know what I mean, trying to – and then, like, we went simply – and, like, they, like I said, like, they have a lot of, like, American-style stuff there. So, like, we went to, like, a pizza parlor, and I had, like, a couple pieces of pizza, like, the first couple of days. So I didn't really, like – the, the two days I was the first two days of there I didn't really like get out of my comfort zone with food um and then after that once my stomach calmed down I was like more interested in eating some Thai food um the other thing about Bangkok is it smells like hot death the whole <laughs> city it smells so bad like it literally smells like someone puked into a dead guy's armpit like that's that's what it smells like it smells so bad and I associate smell would taste yeah for whatever reason so like a lot of times you'd see like interesting street food but it smelled so bad on the street i was like i'm not even hungry like this doesn't even like i'm not it's not appetizing you know what i mean yeah um but we went into some like across the street from our like the first night a guy that um Brittany works with lit he used to live in thailand for 12 years when he was a kid so he speaks fluent thai or whatever and he knows like the the places to get good Thai food so right across the street from the hotel we went into this place and he just ordered a bunch of different dishes and That's we all just we, all, we just kind of all shared it there was like six of us there and it was just like all this different stuff I couldn't even tell you it was like these crab fish 
ball things with like this dipping sauce that was really good. They like oh, uh, uh, it was um, numpla. I don't even know. It's like basically a white fish cake, right. and you dip it in like a sweet chili yeah. sauce. Yeah, stuff is the bomb. Um, and then like uh, one of the things that we uh we ate a couple times that we decided we liked. Have I mean, you ever heard of roti? Roti? Uh, yeah, it's like Indian. Uh, it's got. I think it's Indian influenced, yeah. but the Thai's kind of taken over. But it's like um. You can get it with like a number of stuff in it, but it's like this flaky crust. Like it's almost like a, uh, uh, what is that stuff called? The spinach in it. Um, Spanakopita? Yeah. Oh, like, uh, is it baklava? No. Uh, yeah, it's like it's all folded up in a little triangle. Yeah. Yeah, it's Spanakopita, the Greek Greek stuff. Right. But it's, yeah, like, it's, it's like, like this flaky, right? It's like this flaky crust, and they just like put shit in it. Like, <laughs> like you can get with eggs in it or, you know, whatever. So, like, and the, but they like make it Thai style, like so they put like curried eggs in it or you know yeah. like whatever. Like so that was really good. I mean, we did all the like. Uh, did you get to experience uh, rice noodle bowls? Yeah, and like pad, we did a ton of pad Thai, and like the like the thing that like so my wife is not a very like she hates she doesn't do spicy food at all, Ooh. but in Thailand she did because. Thai spice, especially authentic Thai cooking, is not like spicy here. Like here, it's just heat. Yeah. In Thailand, there's actually a taste behind it. Uh-huh. Which is like what, like, I think that's what kind of sold her on the spiciness. You know what I mean? Like she definitely was like in a little bit of agony because of the spice, but she was like, oh, this tastes like something instead of just being hot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, it's, it's like completely different peppers. Right. I mean, over here, I get, uh, I get like acid reflux really bad from like any kind of Southwestern food, yeah. any, anything like Mexican food gives me like bad heartburn. But, and I, when I traveled to Thailand, it was like, I packed like, I mean, almost like a case of heartburn medicine right. and not once had to take it because it was just a totally different spice. Yeah. I, I was pounding Maylocks like the first two days cause my stomach was a mess. And then the rest of the time I didn't really need anything. Um, I know this is a retarded question, but, uh, did you try McDonald's? No, we didn't go to McDonald's. <laughs> like that was the other thing too. It was like everyone's like McDonald's is different in other parts of the world. You should go it try is. it. It is. It's to- it is. It's the beef tastes like beef. It doesn't right. taste like a, a, a soy soaked patty of right. of like goo. Well, that's like they had like Carl's Jr. and stuff like that, like right near the hotel. Like, and you can't even get Carl's Jr. around here. You know what I mean? So no. I was like, I was tempted to go in, but I was like, I'm in Thailand. I can't fucking eat McDonald's. I gotta like, you know, go somewhere else. Um. But yeah, we just like, so, and like there were a bunch, like luckily we were like, there were some really good authentic Thai places right across the street from our hotel. There's this one place that was a hostel upstairs and a, a, uh, a restaurant thing downstairs. It was like legit, like pirate bar style. There was like, we were, I'm sitting there eating my food and I look up and there's like fucking lizards crawling on the ceiling and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, that's kind of disconcerting, but. When in Rome, I guess, you know, like, yeah. like, fuck it. But the food was amazing, you know what I mean? Um, Like, we ate, and I like them here anyway, and so that's why I ordered them, but they're definitely way better in Thailand, but I ate so many spring rolls. Like, I like every time we would go, like, it was like my thing, like, here, like, if I see a Reuben on this, the menu, I always order the Reuben unless I've had it before, because finding a good Reuben is awesome. Yeah. Like a Reuben sandwich. There it was kind of, I translated that to spring rolls. If there's spring <laughs> rolls on the menu, I'm like, I'm going to try those just to find the best spring rolls in Thailand. You know what I mean? So we did that. I ate a fucking ton of spring rolls. Um, But yeah, it was. No I, street food for you? Um, So I ate street food one time and it was the last day we were there. 
because we were so hungry and I couldn't find anything else. And it ended up being the best food I had the whole trip. It was like, and it's so funny. It was, it was pad thai. When it was vegetable pad thai. No, well, there was eggs in it. But you get it with shrimp too. And I was like, mm, street food, shrimp, probably not a great idea. And I'm getting on a plane tomorrow. So, but I, I got two orders of it and they fucking put it in like brown paper noodles and brown paper and fold it up and tape it and give it to you <laughs> like, yeah. so all right so i ate that it was fucking awesome really good it was like the best meal i had the whole time i was there um ate a lot of like cool places on the island because the restaurants are right on the beach so you could sit at a table on the beach which is amazing you know what i mean and yeah. a lot of really good food i mean even like my wife got a cheeseburger one day and it was just different you know what I mean? Like they put like some different stuff on it, whatever. And I'm like, this is a Thai style cheeseburger. And it's fucking awesome. Yeah. So it was really cool. The food was definitely one of the highlights of going anyway. I mean, I don't, I don't think I'll eat Thai food again for a while just because I ate so much of it. Yeah. But it was really good. If I were to ever go back, I'd eat a lot more fish. Like it, that was one thing. Even, even on the island of Koh Samui when I went, it was, uh, their refrigeration techniques were not exactly uh, uh, up to standard. <laughs> but well, they, are, they still aren't. They still aren't? <laughs> no, like we walked through some markets and there was like fish and they were on like these metal plates and then they just put ice on top of them. Yep. And the ice would start melting and you're like... Eh. I, I like you walk through that market and you see like the fish is out on display. It's beautiful. And you walk by the next day and it's like the same fish just flipped over onto the other side. Right. <laughs> I, I think that I, I saw that with a swordfish right. like on one island. It, it almost sounds like uh, um, the island you went to is like where it, they're, they're at the place where the island was, was when I was on it. Like, and, that, and that's Koh Samui. And Koh Samui is like probably way touristed now. Um, way more modernized. Um, I think like I was talking to some people cause we weren't really hadn't decided what we were going to do until we got there as far as like the last, like we knew we wanted to go somewhere other than Bangkok for the past, for like the last couple of days, but we hadn't really decided. So we, you know, talked to a bunch of people and I guess, um, I forget why we didn't end up going to Koh Samui, but Koh Samui is a lot closer to Bangkok than Koh Chang. It's only like an hour and a half drive and yeah. Coach Ang's like five hours. Um, or like we contemplated flying to Bali, whatever, but I didn't really want to get back on a plane. And we could fly to like Phuket on one of those other islands. But again, same thing. It's like you got to get on a plane and fly for an hour. And I was like, I just flew 23 hours to get here. I'm not getting back on a plane. Um, but those two islands, because they're where they are, they're not the south of Thailand. I guess they're just not tourist attractions. You know what I mean? Um, like all the tourist attractions, all the big tourist places are in that southern peninsula of Thailand near Phuket and places like that. Yeah. So I think Koh Samui is still not, I mean, I'm sure it's more modernized, but I don't think they're huge tourist destinations still. Yeah. I mean, they they have like a nice paved road around, right. going around the entire island. And there's like a couple, couple of like, I don't know, uh, oceanside towns that were like kind of nice that I went to. But for the most part, it was like you had one paved road going around the entire island. And then if you get off that road, it's instantly dirt. Right. That's how Kochang is. Yeah. Um, And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's protected. It's a national forest. So they're trying not to develop it too much. Um, The other thing is like 
the Thai culture is it's weird to me how uh, there are, and I, I say this kind of understanding that's a contradiction to the thing I just said about it being a national force, but they seem to not have a grasp on environmental awareness at all, really. Um, like Ko Chang, I'm, I'm glad I went and I, I'm, I'm glad I went the whole experience. Um, a, I don't think I'd go back to Bangkok just cause I've seen it. You know what I mean? And it, after four days I was like, it's just a big city. You know what yeah, I mean? It's like, old. and it's, it's hot and it's dirty and it's loud and it smells bad and, and it's an experience. I, anybody who's thinking about going and it's never been before, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll go. It's an experience that you should have. It's awesome. And the people are really, really nice. Like everyone is super friendly. Um, Koh Chang is kind of the same way, but it's a tropical island. Like there's like, I don't know what the protocol is there with, but it just seemed like people just put trash places like there's like this is your, this is your we're not gonna do anything with this trash this is just a designated area to put it you know what i mean like so you'd walk down the street and like in this field there'd just be a big pile of trash and i thought it was funny right next to the field of power trash would be a sign that says don't feed monkeys and i mean like you're just feeding monkeys trash like like it's weird but Right now it's their monsoon season, so it would rain really, really hard. Like there was some nights where it would rain, and I'd be like, "We're not getting off this island." Like it's raining. It was like a hurricane every night, like tropical storm. And man, like ah oh, no, it's just happens every night here. Comes on like a light switch too, doesn't right. it? And it's but it's like it's dollar like half dollar size raindrops, and the wind is blowing, and they're pounding the roof, and but when that happens, it washes a lot of that trash into the ocean. Like, there's this big thing right now. I just saw this thing on Facebook about this this video of how much plastic America's, Americans use and how it's all ending up in the ocean. I would venture to bet that in Thailand, it's way more serious of an epidemic because it rains there and all of that trash just goes into the ocean. Yeah. Like, after a rainstorm, like, we'd be like, South China Sea is awesome. It's like bath water it's like 90 degrees and it's super salty you know you could just go into the ocean and lay there and be buoyant and it's warm it's like your body temperature and, and it's so relaxing but meanwhile you're laying there and, the, and fucking plastic bottles and shit start like floating by you it's it's kind of depressing you know what i mean they so if i mean do they still sell bottles of water on every single corner yeah because you can't drink the water there yeah like literally like the guy that was that was familiar with the place that we were there with was like don't even put this water in your mouth while you're showering like don't brush your teeth with this water don't do any of that stuff like use bottled water so everyone uses bottled water they give you a like no matter what you buy at a convenience store they give you a straw like a handful of straws so like you i'm like i don't need these straws why i'm just gonna get thrown away you know what i mean like i don't, I don't understand that whole thing yeah like so just like like I said, as much as the culture of Thailand is awesome and the people are super nice and I'm glad I went and the experience was cool, like that was one of the things where I was like, Oh, you guys are doing it wrong. Like they're just they seem a little wasteful as far as that stuff goes, you know? Like just here's my trash on the side of the road and <laughs> all this plastic. It was weird. 
Yeah, it was just like, but I mean, that's the difference in culture. I mean, the other thing that kind of threw me off was like the way that dogs are treated there. Like, I'm a huge dog lover. Like, I would take, I would literally take a bullet for my dog. You know what I mean? Like, my dog is like a huge part of my life. Um, It's weird the thing, like, they're like part, like, feral and kind of not. Like they they kind of belong to people, but not really. You know yeah. I mean? It's weird. Like, uh, I don't know. It's weird. Like some of them collars on, some of them don't. They're like pat. They just do what they please. You know what I mean, there's no spaying of neutering of animals there. So every dog has like fifteen fucking puppies. Yeah, that 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 was like kind of the surprising thing when I when I talked to your wife the other night was about. Uh, the amount of dogs, like, I figured, like, at some point they would have, like, started to kind of corral the amount of dogs that, but this sounds like, like, and, I mean, in a sense, over there, dogs are like an infestation to them. Right. I mean, they're, they're But they're it's, everywhere. It's, it's weird, like, you say that, but on the other hand, it's like, some people had straight up pets, like, they yeah. had on leashes or whatever, but a lot of it was like, so, it got to the point where, like, the first couple of days, like, I didn't see too many, like, see too many stray dogs like it was like you know a handful and it was like oh that's kind of depressing whatever and then as you go and you start to walk around and explore things it's like oh there's a pack of five stray dogs over there and then there's a pack of five stray dogs over there and there's a pack of five stray dogs over there but people like feed them and they like hang out in certain areas so people kind of start taking responsibility for the pack of dogs in their area but they're not like oh i'm gonna bring you inside and actually full like full fully take care of you you know what i mean like it's like oh i'll dump some dog food on the ground and turn this hose on for you so you have some water but at night you're fucking on your own and if you get hit by a car you know it's not it's not my responsibility yeah it just happens it's almost like it's, it's all i equated it to someone who puts food out food and water out for stray cats the same thing over yeah. there like but they're dogs and they're not small dogs they're like 60 70 pound dogs. some of the most beautiful dogs right. too like just because of the the just the breeding right. back and forth right um but it was it, so it got to the point where i was like whenever i would go get something in a 7-eleven i would buy a bag of dog food and just like if i saw a stray dog just dump a bunch of dog food out on the ground <laughs> And it got to the point where I'd like pour, dump out a, a thing of dog food on the ground and like five other dogs would come out of the woodwork. So I'd be like, fuck it, just dump this whole bag out on the ground. You know what I mean? So like for the last like five days I was there, I was just feeding stray dogs. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I couldn't take it anymore. I was like, this is fucking depressing. So that was like one thing that we did. But um, it was it's just weird, the cultural differences. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It was just weird. Like... And the other thing, like, I wanted to tell, like, these people, like, there was, like, people that were, like, well, yeah, like, you know, this is the dog that hangs out behind my store or whatever. I'm, like, if you take that dog in and feed it and give it shelter or whatever, like, that dog will be so loyal to you. You know what I mean? Like, you have someone, a dog, like, you have something that will love you for the rest of its life with every fiber of its being. Like, you don't know what you're missing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, it was weird. Like, they're just, like, Different whatever. culture. Yeah, it was weird. I mean, thankfully, like, I, I didn't see too much abuse of d- those dogs. You know what I mean? It seemed like there was, like, meh. Like, it, like, it got to the point where, like, some of those dogs would, like, if you were, like, 
were doing something outside, like if your job was to sit there outside, like at one of those street food vendors or whatever, like the, if the dog came up and like laid under your chair, people were like, oh, it's just the dog laying. Like it didn't, they didn't, no one shooed him away or anything, but they just didn't really like take care of him. They just didn't have homes. It was weird. Yeah. That was the most unsettling. And there's thing. a lot of Bangkok street dogs. Yeah. Or well, even Kochang was even worse. That was, it was, Kochang was a ton. Tons of dogs. Tons of dogs. And like I said, like I posted this picture of this dog running, like trotting down the beach and like whatever. I'm like, you know what? If you're going to be a stray dog, you might as well be a stray dog in some fucking <laughs> tropical island in the South China Sea, right? Like what better place? Where it's like super nice and like, and it seems like the, I, you know, the other thing too is like none of these dogs seemed like. I mean, there was some definitely some mange going on, and like some of them had like scars and shit from like getting into things, whatever. But then none of them seemed like they were like starving. You know yeah. I mean? They all seemed like they were like were eating fine. Yeah. You know what I mean, so I think like, like as bad as the life of a stray dog can be, a stray dog, especially on Koh Chang Island in Thailand, is probably. Not that bad. You yeah. know what I mean? It seemed like there were plenty of places for them to bed up and get out of the sun and whatever. And like I said, like we'd just walk down the beach and there'd be five of them just chilling on the beach in Kojang. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, right. And like, I mean, the suckers like me giving them dog food. <laughs> I, w- I wonder if it, I wonder if it's something to do with like, I mean, the, the belief in like the Buddhist like reincarnation. If they just, if they're, I mean, not necessarily mean to him, but it's kind of like, oh, that could have been my uncle. Right. Like, I don't know if that's my uncle or not, but it could be my uncle. Right. I'm, I'm not sure. What, but, but, yeah, it didn't, didn't. They weren't abused or anything like that. They just weren't taken care of either. It was weird. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. So, you uh, you got to go to a, a jujitsu place over there. Yeah. So I trained two days. Um, I almost forgot about that. That's definitely something we need to talk about. Um, I went to two days. I went and trained in this place. I think it's called Arete uh, Jiu-Jitsu. Um, and it's, it was in Bangkok. Um, it's only, I mean, there's some other Jiu-Jitsu academies in, in some other like schools in Bangkok. Jack's, Jack's Speaking board. Of <laughs> Jack's dreaming hard. Awesome. Uh, as we talk about that, Jack's on the couch snoring, wagging his tail. <laughs> awesome. Um, but this place is, was strictly jujitsu only. There was only jujitsu there, which is kind of why I picked the school. Um, I didn't want to have to deal with like the whole MMA crowd, really. Um, and they were super nice. They're super awesome. It was one of those. It reiterated to me the fact that if you do jujitsu and you go anywhere in the world, if you find other people that do jujitsu, you automatically make have friends. Yeah, like you don't need to know these people for them to welcome you and and be, you know, really nice to you and and, and welcoming. Um, I mean that these people were so nice that I went and trained one day and I only brought one gi with me, and I was figuring that when you go. To other countries, there's like laundromats, like coin operating laundromats. So I was just going to wash my gi, keep washing my gi and drying it and training. But there is no self-serve laundromats in Thailand. It's all like here and someone washes it for you and you get it back in a couple of days. Um, so I was like, oh, shit, out of luck. Like, I was like, yeah. So I asked the guys, I was like, do you know if there's somewhere around here that I can wash my gi and have it back like today so I can come train tomorrow? And they're like, 
No, there's nothing like that around here. But I'll wash it for you. So, like, some guy took my gi home with him and washed it and brought it back with him so I could train the next day. That's pretty awesome. Which is, like, awesome. Like, some, like a lot of people wouldn't do that. Like, yeah, I'm going to give you my stinky gi that I just sweat 16 pounds in, and you're going to take it home and wash it for me. Like, so, I mean, this that's how welcoming they were. Um, it was just really awesome. Some good jujitsu. Um, you know, everyone was there. It was really technical, really tough roles. Like, no one, like, it was just quality jiu-jitsu it was really fun was there any black belts um yeah so the two guys that ran the academy um there was two black belts that ran the academy there um i forget what the one guy's name was the, the, so in thailand a lot of thais don't do jiu-jitsu because i imagine they thai box that's their national sport yeah so if you're going to do some kind of martial art you're going to thai box um so but it was a lot of transplants so there was a lot of english guys there doing jiu-jitsu um that had immigrated from england or you know great britain um a lot there's a huge japanese culture there so a lot of japanese immigrants um so one of the guys that ran the academy he's a black belt um is a japanese guy i forget what his name was now fuck um and then the other guy that taught most of the classes was this guy andrew and he was actually from toronto so they had two black belts that were at that academy. And then there was a bunch of purple belts and a bunch of blue belts and a bunch of white belts. Um, I got to roll with both the black belts. Um, they were both really good, really tough. Um, and then I rolled with a bunch of the other guys. Um, yeah, it was it was a good time. It was a lot of fun. So, yeah, I'm curious, like, how, uh, I mean, if you could even, like, trace the lineage uh, of that place like where um they were a, a nova you now school which is like one of the bigger teams in the world like um you know there's like gracie baja is huge alliance is huge checkmat is kind of getting big uh atos um but i would say one of the older bigger teams in jiu-jitsu is this team called nova you now um and that's what team they're a part of and so you can kind of trace back like I'm sure, like if I asked who he, this guy Andrew got his black belt from, he would tell me, and then I could figure out who that guy got his black belt from, and it would be pretty close to the source. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I think that's like that, that's one thing. It's like I've been doing a little bit of research on my own about like the evolution of 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 BJJ and like the fact that it's still so new that you can trace like yeah like trace things all the way back still and 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 easily do that is is pretty cool well i think the other cool thing about jujitsu going along with that is like even if you trace it back as far as it will go it's still to the source of judo you know what i mean like so i got my black belt from roberto maya who is henzo's cousin and henzo half and high and he's also the machado's cousin so there's machado brothers um john jock higgin carlos Hodger, John, I think, is the other. And there might be one more. Um, And he's kind of in that family. But he got his black belt from, I believe, he got it from uh, Hobson Gracie, which is Henzo's dad. And his dad is uh, Carlos Sr. And then Carlos Sr. learned it from Maeda, who was the Japanese guy who brought jiu-jitsu to Brazil. So... I'm only like five removed from the source of 
Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. But Maeda learned directly from Jigoro Kano, who ran the Kodokan, which is the biggest and best judo school in Japan. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, even if you go past 200 years, you know, there's still not that many people in between me and 200 years ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is cool. Like, you know, if you went 200 years back in karate, you might go have to go, you know, 15 different paths to get to the guy who invented karate, you know what I mean? Or whatever. Like, yeah. But in... I mean, it's a lot like ancestry. It's just right. like where it's like I can... <clears throat> I can trace like my ancestry back to like certain person in the Civil War still. Right. Um, and my dad's done a lot of ancestry stuff, and it's I mean, it's just it's cool. But like in a sense, like your training is like your ancestry. Right. Um, which is awesome. I think that's like pretty much one of the coolest things about BJJ. It's so new, but it's just like right. Such a badass, right. badass thing. Right. Well, and I think it's cool. Like, and then you can find out like little stories about like everyone, like. And like, um, so like the Henzo and his brothers and the Machados, like they all have their own legendary stuff behind them. You know what I mean? Like Henzo and High and Half are crazy, you know, badasses. And, and the Machado brothers are like super technical, like just technicians of jujitsu. But then like you find out like, so Hobson, who is Henzo's dad, was a freedom fighter in Brazil when brazil was fighting for their independence from because of the same thing brazil was under a military uh coup so they had to like stop that from going on so hensel's dad was like this like legit like freedom fighter rebel from brazil like and like the stories about him like he got captured by the military and they were going to execute him but the guy that was supposed to execute hobson was one of his students from before the war started so he let him go like just like random crazy shit like that so like there's like all these like like it seems like like all these people who used to do jujitsu back in the day because it was like legit like you know challenge matches street fights things like that like there's some serious like crazy war stories about them you know what i mean like it's just cool i mean it's it and I mean, granted the fact that like I'm I'm still fairly new to 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 BJJ, it, it's it's almost like a lot of it is still like very tribal knowledge, where it's just like it's spread from one person to the next, right? And, and told to from one person to the next. There's no like, there's no like definitive like Wikipedia like we're like oh well Henzo did this on this day and blah blah blah. Right, right. Like no one's really. I mean, I could be wrong. There could be a book out there that's like get, categorizes all this like crazy stuff. I think there is, but it's such like, well, and the other thing I'm not kind of understanding, especially about like, so the direct source from jujitsu is the Gracie family. And the Gracie family is so huge, you know what I mean? Because each Gracie got married a bunch of different times and had kids with a bunch of different wives. And there's like, that whole interesting family dynamic that a lot of them don't get along with each other. So there's like debating points of view of how stuff actually happened and things like that. the Brazilian Marley family. Right. It's, (laughs) it's yeah, exactly. Like, well, and like, so, I mean, in the Brazilian culture, there's a lot of like macho bravado and things like that. It's a very man's man's culture. You know what I mean? So like, it's not uncommon for some guy to get married and divorced a bunch of times. You know what I mean? In Brazil culture. And, the Gracies were always pretty wealthy, you know what I mean? They're very a powerful family from Brazil, from what I hear, you know what I mean? From by all accounts. So 
this was, there was just a lot of that stuff happening. You know what I mean? Where like, and the family tree, like if you look at the Gracie family tree, it's like, yeah. So like Carlos was married like three or four times. Helio was married like three or four times. Each one of his kids was married three or four times and they all had kids. You know what I mean? So it's like, this like just this big sprawling family tree where, and they all learned jujitsu. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's just funny. Like, and, but that's what I mean. Like, even if, one thing was one way. There's always a different account of the way it really happened. It seems like you know what I mean. So there's, there's a lot of folklore and things like that about the actual history of how things happened and stuff, which is funny. That's awesome. And you, uh, you also found a CrossFit gym. I found two CrossFit gyms, which was pretty awesome. Um, one of them uh, we went to was actually in uh, in the CrossFit gym. It, it's called. Um, the training grounds, but in the training grounds is uh, Bangkok Fight Lab and Bangkok BJJ. So there's there's a jiu-jitsu school and a Muay Thai and MMA school and a CrossFit gym all under one roof. Um, I We just did CrossFit there. I didn't do any of the Muay Thai or jiu-jitsu there. Um, but it was like this huge like airplane hangar type thing with like it had like a smoothie bar in it. And I guess it was uh, voted... Um, number one gym in southeast asia like of all of southeast asia which is fucking crazy but um it was awesome like awesome place to train everyone was super nice uh again a lot of transplants doing crossfit not a lot of ties i mean there were a few but i would say that at least half the class was people who had immigrated there from someplace else yeah yeah it's like it's like when you scroll through uh like crossfit dubai and it's just, you see, like a lot of like, a lot of white people right. like throwing down. Like, well, where's the people from Dubai? Right. <laughs> uh, and then we, we went to another smaller CrossFit gym, but same thing, same idea. Like they actually, um, that it was cro- CrossFit um, ten five hundred was the name of the CrossFit gym, and they actually sent a team to regionals this past year, but they compete in the Australian region, so they had to like, but that's like their region. They went. Yeah, so there weren't a lot of ties doing the CrossFit. It was mostly no. The two, the so the first CrossFit gym we went to was um, that ten five hundred. The two people that taught the class, they were Thai, um, but then there was only like a handful of ties in the CrossFit class, and the rest of it was all foreigners, hmm. like that had transplanted there. Um, <laughs> kind of showed, uh, you know, how lucky we are in the united states to a be like where a lot of innovation happens not just with crossfit but every everything but where crossfit starts in the united states like it's um i mean we're particularly lucky anyway being ever proven where they have like it's probably the most equipped gym i've ever seen ever yeah like hands down um but like you're into that first crossfit gym um 10 500 and the athletes are really good there but like there were no assault bikes I didn't see one kettlebell. Like, so they were no GHD machines, like super limited, like, and just made do with what they had. They had rings set up, but I was like, this roof isn't high enough for you to do a muscle up. Like I couldn't do a muscle up in here. I'd smash my face before I even got up on the rings. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I could jump and touch the ceiling. So it was just interesting. And, uh, like <laughs> they were like, if you do like, so the, um, it has their, for- yeah, their, their format. Oh, so it was this. Oh, the other thing too is like, um, just to again to mention how lucky we are if you train at Ever Proven is um, like the programming 
at Everproven is so complete compared to other places. Like the fact that Matt does the programming and puts in mobility in this programming is I'm finding out is so rare. Like a lot of gyms don't do that and they barely do a warm up. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're like, oh yeah, I'm just just do this warm up for a few minutes and then all right, we're gonna start lifting heavy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Instead of like, all right, this is exactly what you're gonna do for warm up. Don't cheat, like warm up thoroughly, do this mobility because this is what we're working yeah. on. A lot of a lot of gyms will just say like like your warm up and your mobility is on your own. Right. Like the actual class is just lifting and then a wad. Right. So we warmed up and didn't do any mobility. And then in the con, like it was a strength in a Metcon, like everywhere else um, that I've been to anyway. Um, and the strength was um, one power clean, one front squat, one push jerk. But it was funny. They were like, if you do over 95 pounds, you need to drop the weight on these crash pads. And they were like little mini crash pads. They looked like pillows that were like but crash pad, like probably a foot thick and like two by one, you know what I mean? pillow yeah and they got to drop the weight on this or you'll damage the floor in here <laughs> and they're like if you do over 95 pounds and i'm like i'm warming up with you know 135 <laughs> 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 so look yeah you got to use a crash pad right so it was just like it was just funny like but they make do and they get the work done which is also you know really awesome and inspiring that you don't need all this crazy shit to get into really good shape it just makes it easier yeah you know what i mean um but they were, like, super impressed with my wife. Like, I think me lifting weights, especially there, was a little less impressive because I'm so much bigger than all those people. Like, even the guy the guy that was doing that coached the class, like, he was clearly very strong and in really good shape. And he probably lift more than I could. But I was a lot bigger than he was. You know what I mean? So I, am like, ended up doing this complex with, like, like uh, I don't know, like, in the 200s. Like, it was, like, 225 or something like that. And like they were like, oh yeah, you're like you're really strong, whatever. But then they look at my wife, who is this little girl, whatever, and she's like doing it like 175, and they're all like, oh my god, <laughs> like, like like she was fucking unbelievable. It was so funny. It was she was just like blowing everybody away. That's awesome. Yeah, and then so like we did that, and then she she fucking smoked the Metcon. Like my wife destroyed the Metcon, and they were like, oh my god again. And I'm like, and she even said she was like. I'm not even the best one at my gym. You know what I mean? Clearly, like, like we have games caliber athletes at our gym. You know what yeah. I mean? And, like, it was just funny, like, the difference, the level of training between the two places. You know, you can tell that it's probably just because they're behind a couple of years on CrossFit getting there. Like, I don't think CrossFit's been there very long. You know what I mean? It hasn't yeah. been a thing for very long anyway. So just you could see, like, there were a couple, probably a couple of years behind as is, far as the advancement of training in the rest of the world. Is it 10.5? Was it 10.500? Was that the place that was on the roof? No. So there's a, the CrossFit Bangkok is on there. We didn't end up going there. We just didn't have enough time there. Class schedule's a little wacky. But yeah, there was, I wanted to check that place out just to see it. Um, no, this place was like, it was like this weird, like little, like strip mall type area. Um, when we worked out at the training grounds, which was, uh, I forget what the name of. Oh, East West CrossFit, the name of it. Um, look it up. Look up the training grounds in Bangkok. It's a pretty cool space. Like, the place was massive and had all sorts of shit in it. But um, they were a little better about, like, we warmed up and did mobility kind of at the same time. Like, jumping jacks, you know, stretch, jumping, you know, like, whatever. Like, 
and did that all kind of in one. Then it was like, it was a bench press, um, strength day. So it was like, do like warm up, whatever. And then you do five at 75%, two at 80%, one at 90% and then max effort or something like that after that. And, uh, same thing. Like I was doing it with like 275 or whatever, which doesn't seem that big. And everybody was like, Oh my God. And like, like Brittany was doing it with like whatever she was doing it with. I forget what it was. It was like 145. And everybody was like, Oh my God, <laughs> you guys are so strong. <laughs> like I'm not really. I tell you, there probably weren't too many Thai women in the, uh, in the classes. There was actually, so Brittany ended up, so we partnered up, whatever. And, um, Brittany ended up working with this Thai girl and she was like super like, amped and having a good time whatever and she shredded she was like absolutely shredded in really good shape and they're Brittany and her and i were talking afterwards and come to find out she's like 48 years old she, i was like <laughs> i was like you look like you're fucking 18 like you're fucking <laughs> it was just one of those things where like you're like oh like it's true what they say like how agents don't age at all like they stay looking young forever um well they don't, they don't see cold weather right that that humidity hum, hum, heat and humidity Keeps their skin looking young. Nice glow. Right. Um, yeah, I would say that there are actually more, probably more Thai women doing CrossFit than there were Thai men, for sure. Interesting. Yeah. Oh. That's like, that's just fascinating stuff. I, like, I think she, uh, your wife said something about like the, the equipment just being like rusty. Oh, yeah. Like there was like, so a lot of the rigs, like you start like doing pull-ups or whatever on it that starts wearing some of the finish off and then it's just so humid there that the fucking humidity sets on it and like the the rig started getting rusty and things like that so it was just you could pretty much just watch <laughs> rust grow on the equipment right i mean it was, that was one of the the most surprising things to me that kind of shocked me when i first got there was the, when you talk about humidity and you think like new england's humid no 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 no. No. You like I like it was one of those things where like I walked us and I was like, God damn it, this t shirt's ruined. <laughs> like like I, it was like a it was like a, every day was like a three t shirt day. Like it was just like you walk out and you're like, It looks like someone sprayed my shirt with the hose. Yeah, the, with I don't remember what time of the day it was. There was like a certain time of the day that, that everything would kind of just shut down. Yeah, people would just disappear. Yeah, it's just, it's so it, like it literally is like ninety eight degrees and ninety eight percent humidity every day there. It was it was so hot and humid. It was, yeah, uh, I mean, and it was just weird. Like the like there's some things where you're like, uh, if you walked around oblivious, you wouldn't notice. But once you start noticing it, you see it and you're like, okay, like the whole prostitution thing is like kind of takes you back. It's a little like you're like, eh, eh, you know, because like so I left training, training jujitsu and like classes at like seven, so like seven to eight thirty. And then we stayed around and rolled or whatever a little bit and shot the shit and changed and took my time and whatever and got to know some of the guys a little bit. And uh so I ended up leaving the academy like at nine, nine thirty. That means that I didn't start getting back to like the hotel till like ten, and like walking back to the hotel because it's right near a big hotel in kind of the tourist district is like you get just the full court press from prostitutes where they're like grabbing you and like trying to get you to like I'm like no like get a lot off of lady of me. boys. 
Well, that was the other thing too. Was like I, there was definitely a couple instances where you could you saw somebody and you're like, oh, like you're definitely a man trying to be a woman. But other than that, it's it's honestly hard to tell because Thai men and Thai women, even when they're both, they don't look that different because Thai men are very small and they can't grow facial hair like or or they don't grow facial hair like a like someone from the west you know what i mean yeah. like it's like a mustache at the very most like they're not hairy people so like i could see how it'd be very easy for a man to pull off being a woman you know what yeah. i mean they're not like then it sounds insulting but I, I swear it's not meant to be like that they're just not that different physically thai men and thai women yeah well i i, I was uh i was had like the rule of thumb if you saw a really tall beautiful uh woman walking down the street in thailand it was not a woman (laughs) original (laughs) originally anyway a the female population not exactly pushing limits as far as like height wise right but um i mean like that and i remember this one instance we were uh I was eating dinner at this place and there was uh there's a couple of German guys hanging out with uh these two Thai women. Or no, it was uh two German guys and one guy one German guy had uh his his white German girlfriend and there was a Thai woman hanging out with him. I'm like looking over and I'm like does he know that's a dude? Right. Cuz I'm pretty sure I mean like I'm 100% sure that is a dude. Right. <laughs> yeah, and but I I mean, maybe in the last 15 years have gotten better at the transition, but I definitely was like, I'm not 100% sure that you're either. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I'm like, I just, you could, it could be, you could be either. You know what I mean? So even if I was interested in getting a prostitute, which I wasn't at all, clearly I was there with my wife and like, this is not my thing. But if, if I, like, I'm just like, some of the most beautiful women in Thailand are men. Right. Like, I can't. I can't. <laughs> there's, there's no way around that. Right. Like, like I can't. I can't tell if you're, you are, or you aren't. Like, it's just, you just can't tell. So, I was like, yeah. Well, I mean, they have. I mean, it's, it's like a national thing. I was asking you earlier. It's like because I, I, I know it's an island. It's it. They have it on an island outside of uh, Bangkok, which is, and it's like the national lady boy. Uh, competition which it's like it's like miss america right but for 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 guys just as as girls over there well that was the other thing that like my wife and i were talking about a little bit was like um like what about thailand and the thai culture or like just a, what what about it is the like the, the reason behind that like why why are there so many uh transgenders in thailand like is it a cultural thing or is it like a physical you know what i mean or like a genetics thing like like what is the the reasoning behind like it's just an interesting thing to think about yeah, like I why mean, why are there so many transgenders in in thailand and like in the united states maybe if we were more accepting of it which we are becoming more accepting of it which is awesome you know like i'm all for being more accepting of everybody uh, will there end up being more? I mean, I guess there will be to an extent because people will feel more comfortable. But how much will the transgender culture grow in the United States because of the acceptance of it? Yeah. And is 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 it just the acceptance of it in Thailand that I wonder, gives it such a high population, or is there like a a genetics thing, like a or like? I mean, it's interesting. I'd like to talk to someone who's kind of 
you know, like an anthropologist in, in or something know. like that. Yeah, just or just knows about that type of things. You know what I mean? Not particularly Thailand and the transgender culture, but just how like a kind of cause and effect of things like that. It's an it's an interesting thing to talk about because yeah. it is such a prevalent culture subculture there that i'm just wondering how it happens yeah it's like over here it's like trans you go like you would be transgender because you feel like you really should be a woman um or you should dress like a woman or you feel more comfortable women women's clothes but over there it seems like it's, it's a totally different thing it's not like you feel like you should be one it's 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 something else culturally going on um, and like, and a lot of the lady boys that I did see were on the side of the road prostituting. Right. So I'm wondering if it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's who knows? I mean, well, I'm definitely not, Right. <laughs> I'm definitely not a cultural anthropologist. Right. I don't know what's going on over, over that, but, right. uh, yeah. I mean, if anybody wants to call into the show, go ahead and dial five, 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 1000, um, to talk to us directly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean the whole the whole and the prostitution thing is kind of like, it's just it was like I don't know, it's 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 also like that like the other thing like the whole like how um so for instance um like one day I was there by myself like and it was early in the morning like. Uh, my wife had to go do, go do some work. So I'm sitting there in the hotel room and I'm like, I don't really know what to do today. So I Google like things to do in Bangkok by yourself. <laughs> like like think, <laughs> thinking, right? Exactly. Like like not thinking like it's going to be anything. And like the first thing comes up is like there are like this website of this massage parlor where literally the whole thing is like a menu of things that you can have done at this massage parlor. Everything from hand jobs to full on <laughs> sex. Like every and everything in between. So what did you go for? None of it. None of it. <laughs> did you get a time massage? No. No. Well did, that that's Did you the, see people getting time massage? So my wife got a time massage on the beach in Kochang, which was like she said was amazing, whatever. But the reason that I didn't do it was because it seemed like there was just too many unknowns for me. Like, and I'm, and it, I say that kind of funny, you know what I mean? But honestly, it's like you're in a foreign country where I didn't speak the language at all. And I'm a man. And the sex trade is so, you know, so, so prevalent there and all that stuff. I was just like, I don't, I'm not comfortable with not being sure of what this person is expecting or, or what this person thinks I expect from them. You know what I mean? Like it was just like where my wife went and she's a woman and got a time massage from an old woman and literally just got a time massage and that's it. I'm like, well, I'm like, do you have a preconceived notion about me because I'm a white male trying to get a massage? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was like, this is too, this is too unknown. You know what I mean? I'm like, and granted, you know, it's like, you know, it's it's funny to talk about whatever, but like, I wasn't interested in, you know, any of like getting a hey J or anything like that. <laughs> and I'm there with my wife, you know what I mean. So it's like it was just too like, eh, this is it's just too unknown. I, I don't want to even dabble, yeah. t- dip my toes in those waters. I, re- I, mean? I remember there was a, there was a co- there, you you would actually pass by stores. Right. It was oh, yeah. almost like a storefront. 
Well, there's um, a ton of those. And like, I definitely, I think I, w- well, that was the other thing. It was like, I thought about it. And I'm like, all right, I could get a time massage here because it's like, it's like an open air bed on the beach. You know what I mean? But I'm like, maybe not. You know what I mean? Like it was just too, like, I was like, I don't want to really risk it. You know what I mean? But there definitely were like, especially going out and going, coming home at night from training and granted, like I didn't take a shower or whatever. So I'm like all gross anyway, whatever. And I'm like, I wouldn't subject this woman to give me a fucking time massage after I've been sweating for two and a half hours, rolling around dudes. But they were like, so the prostitutes, instead of saying like, they usually say like, do you want lady? They were like, do you want massage? Do you want massage? And I'm like, oh, massage is code word for fucking getting a prostitute. But I'm like, but, but they were like, it was clear like the A and the B team would take over at those massage parlors. Like during the day, it might have quite possibly been just a massage parlor. And then at night, it turned over to be like a brothel. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I was like, at, at what time of the day does it change over? <laughs> like I said, and I'm like, I'm a white male from the United States trying to get a Thai massage from this woman. I'm like, it's just, there's too many variables here for me to get a Thai massage. You know what I mean? My wife got one. And like, I mean, I sat there pretty much. I mean, I went and bought a, da- bog- bought a bag of dog food and went and fed some straight dogs <laughs> and came back. And she was still just getting a time, not even getting a massage yeah. from this old woman right on the beach. You know what I mean? But I was like, man, this is just. And then like, when was I going to go get one when I was by myself? So my wife wasn't there. You know what I mean? So I'm like some, some, some American, <laughs> some big American white dude by myself trying to get a time massage like it was just too many like i was like i'm not gonna do it uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? too, too many variables right this is too many variables <laughs> and that's like my that's the thing like i'm i'm not a real like i'm a, I'm a novice traveler you know what i mean i just kind of started my world traveling so i was like i'm just not hip to it all yet i'm gonna ease into this whole like other culture thing <laughs> <laughs> well just watch out for the beaches of the next place you're going to because mm-hmm. <laughs> that happens there too right um no, I remember uh I remember a coworker telling me about you know, he was in Jamaica and he was just like getting like girls came up and were like, Oh, you want massage, massage, coconut oil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's like, sure, why not? It, it's like it's like five guys all hanging out on a beach together, close, as as close as you and I are sit are, are sitting next to you there. We're like a couple feet apart. And like get a massage and then like all of a sudden he feels like her hand just go right up his shorts and she goes you want me to continue? <laughs> I in a Jamaican accent. I just went to an Asian accent, but it's <laughs> right. just like it's like, hey man, you want me to continue? <laughs> if you will, um, and and he's like, no, no, my 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 best friend's sitting right next to me. I, I don't want that. Like, I just want a massage. She's like, oh, I give you a special massage. Right? Well, no, 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 no. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it's like, I, I kind of wish I, I had experienced one because it's time massages. I, they call it a time massage because it's a special massage. It's right. like not a special massage. <laughs> Get your heads out of the gutter. Um, but it's like a lot of movement, a lot of like bone cracking and twisting. And I, I'm interested to talk to her about like the difference because her and I get a massage from the same, right. same, uh, same girl. Yeah. The mean, the mean burrito. Right. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, she got one. She said it was like the most amazing thing ever. You know what I mean? Like it was like she had never felt a massage like that before. Like it was amazing. Like the woman was like standing on her back and shit like that and like using her heels and stuff. So like 
She said it was awesome, but I was like, yeah, that's great. And I'm just still not doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the whole, the whole experience really kind of just changed my perspective on a lot of things, you know, and, and kind of reaffirmed the way I'd been feeling about a lot of things. Um, you know, I'm kind of, uh, at this point in my life, less about owning things and want to do more stuff. And this kind of really sent that home even more was like, I need to kind of downsize my life overhead and not be attached to so many useless objects and kind of get rid of them, whatever, and, and downsize and have the ability to kind of be more liquid and, and loose and be able to travel and things like that. It's definitely, you know, uh, planted that seed of, of seeing what else is out there that the world has to offer. Um, the other thing I did, which is weird is like anything that I, I think it's just because there's so much history there in Thailand, but like, I don't really want to own anything that doesn't have kind of a story behind it anymore. Like I want everything I have to have some kind of story. Like, uh, it's funny. Um, and I wish I would have brought it with me just because, and, but, um, so like I had a backpack that I used for jujitsu that I brought with me and it fucking ripped while I was in Bangkok and it's kind of like, yeah, I could get it fixed or replaced or whatever. But so I got rid of that backpack and, uh, I have a backpack that, um, one of the guests on this podcast, my best friend, Josh gave me from when he was, it was his backpack when he was in Iraq and Afghanistan. So I have this like Black Hawk hydration like backpack and I'm like, I should have fucking brought this thing with me. You know what I mean? Like, why would I bring that stupid other fucking backpack when I have this <laughs> backpack that was like, it's been to Iraq and Afghanistan. It's been all over the world. It's my wife took it to Mexico when she went to Mexico last year. I'm like, why didn't I take this backpack to, ba- to Bangkok? At least it's got a story behind it. You know what I mean? It's like this. Yeah. So like, that's kind of where I'm at right now is like. I want like, and and you see all this stuff in Thailand. It's like, you know, everything in that culture kind of has a story behind it. You know what I mean? Well, not everything. I mean, there's obviously some frivolous bullshit or whatever, but there's so much history there and so much culture or whatever. And, and we're kind of lucky to be in a spot in the United States. That's very old. You know what I mean? The the North Northeast part of the United States is very old. It's where everybody first came, whatever. And there's so much stories behind the stuff that's available here. It's like, no, I'm done with having, you know, frivolous, useless bullshit in my life. Like every, I want as little as possible and everything I do have, I want there to be some kind of story behind. I want there to be some, 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 in, some cultural influence behind this object that I'm possessing. I mean, that's kind of just, it, it changed my perspective on a lot of things. You know what I mean? Better watch out, man. Start talking crazy. <laughs> Start talking about astrologists. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, well, I mean, but I, I mean, I like anything with like a story behind it. Like, um, I mean, I have some guns, like I, I'm a gun owner and I have a bunch of guns, but my favorite guns are the ones that have some story behind it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I have some guns that my grandfather gave to my dad and my dad gave to me, you know what I mean? And those have stories behind it. Those are my favorite guns. You know, they may not be the best guns that I own. They might be kind of useless and, and not, you know very proficient as and high tech as other guns, but there's a story behind it, you know, like there's just so much like, like I'd rather own those things and, and, and kind of keep those things and, and have those things stick around than something that where you could just replace super easy. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of where I'm at right now. And it's just that the whole trip kind of reiterated that it was like, 
have the bare essentials and what you do have, you know, yeah, there's some history behind it. Now that now that you say it, I feel like I'm, I'm I've kind of been I've been a little bit in that mindset lately where I've just been like throwing more things away and be like, why am I holding on to this? Like I'm, I'm I need to get rid of this and but like really keeping the like the things that have some sort of like big sentimental value, but like making sure it's like a genuine sentimental. Right. Because if you start holding on to things for just random sentimental, you end up owning, you end up basically becoming a hoarder. Right. Um, right. <laughs> which I don't want to become. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, so for, like, so for instance, um, for this trip, and I, and it's, <laughs> it's funny because like they say, like, it made me, this trip made me appreciate some things that I really didn't like before I went. And it's weird because, like, I mean, I'm having, like, these big, like, profound thoughts or whatever, and I was only gone for 12 days, you know what I mean? It's not like I went for, like, six months, like a lot of people do and things like that. But, like, I was really actually getting sick of the house that I live in before I left. Like, I was like, you know, I don't like my neighborhood. You know, this house is too big. Um you know, we kind of bought it as a fixer upper and it's, I'm not fixing it up as fast as I would like to turn around and sell it. Like, you know, the same shit every homeowner goes through, you know what I mean? But leaving there and coming back, it made me appreciate a couple of things. One is how, even though it's not my dream house and it's the house that I don't want to like live in for the rest of my life and it's not the nicest house. It, like I said, it's a fixer upper. It's still pretty nice compared to what a lot of other people live in around the world you know what i mean like i'm very fortunate but also my house was built in 1840 you know I mean? and there's a lot of history behind that house and Dude, you have a picture of like the original owners in front of the house right right like and not many people that own an old house have shit like that that's pretty i thought that was pretty awesome right so there's like so going along with everything you just said like my history the history of my house there's a lot of history and story behind my house you know what i mean so that it, just going and and kind of having some time to evaluate some things and coming back, like it made me appreciate even just my normal everyday existence being gone away from it. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just, it's, I think, I guess it'd be a, a good note to end this podcast on is just to, to urge everybody if you have the opportunity to go travel, go travel. Yeah. Even if you like, you don't, aren't even interested in. I'd say travel outside. Western civilization, right? Well, I mean, it wasn't uh, as profound effect, but even going to Philadelphia had a little bit of an effect on me. You know what I mean? Like it, it at least sparked my interest. Yeah. But yeah, if you if you have the means to travel outside the United States, even if you're not interested in the place that is that is brought up, go anyway. You should definitely go. Like if you have the means to travel, you should travel. That's one thing. I mean. That's one thing I'm kind of realizing as I get into my my 30s is I'm I'm kind of lost. You know what I mean? Like I'm 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 as lost now as I ever have been as far as what direction I'm on in life. Like I don't really know where I'm going, and I'm oddly okay with it. Like I'm like I don't really know what's going to happen next, and but that's fine. Um, but I'm really regret not traveling sooner. So I actually think that I'm going to do things a little different than everybody else, which seems to be status quo for my life is that like, I'm just going to start traveling as much as possible. Like I already, I think 
uh, hopefully if everything goes right, I mean, I'm going to have the chance to go to Cuba in October, which I'm super stoked about. And I'm just going to keep trying to make these little trips happen and kind of see things and, and see where life takes me as far as that goes. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. It's a way to go. Yeah. I'm jealous. You're making me want to travel again. <laughs> <laughs> plan a trip. We should fucking plan a trip and go. Oh, yeah. I've been wanting to go back to Ireland. I think uh, next year or this winter or whatever, I think that there's a trip to Dublin planned that I'm going to go on. <laughs> so Cuba and Dublin is definitely on the the perspective places to go. And I forget where else. I also have to say that the reason that this, a lot of this is happening is because my wife works for an awesome company that she's got to travel for and they are totally okay with me tagging along. So like pretty much wherever they go i get to go and only have to pay for my plane ticket and what i do because they cover what she does yeah which is pretty and i mean i've kind of you know i have people at the academy that i teach at that can cover classes which i'm internally grateful for and then like i said i I work with my dad every day and he's totally down to support my adventuring which i'm internally grateful for you know so life has just kind of worked out to allow me to do it you know but yeah, you got the chance, might as well do it. Right, exactly. And I just urge anybody else who has a chance to definitely, definitely do it. Definitely has changed my life for the better, even the, the few trips I've been on. Hell yeah. All right. Well, that's another episode of uh, Sharp Art Society. Thank you for listening. Peace. Hey.